Anytime we see a kid that's, say, not doing well in school, our knee-jerk, based on all the research, our knee-jerk reaction as a society should be, oh my gosh, this kid must have an incredible creative strength. Welcome to the Tilt Parenting Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing, and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. I'm your host, Debbie Reber, and today's guest is an expert on education and creativity, Catherine Hayden. Catherine is a writer, speaker, mentor, and consultant who is working to foster an educational paradigm based on student strengths and creative thinking. She's the co-author of the book, Creativity for Everybody, and the founder of Sparkativity, a learning studio aimed at engaging what she calls square peg students and supporting the parents and educators who want them to succeed. Since we know a thing or two about square peg students around here at Tilt, I wanted to bring Catherine on to talk about her work and find out why she's so passionate about supporting creative thinkers reach their full potential. I absolutely loved our conversation. It personally inspired me on many levels, and I have a feeling you're going to get a lot out of it as well. And before we get into our conversation, I wanted to take a moment to give a shout out to my awesome sister, Michelle, for being one of my backers for the Tilt Parenting Podcast through our Patreon campaign. That's a good sister. Thank you so much for always supporting what I do and especially for helping me with Tilt. If you'd like to join my sister through Patreon, you can make a small monthly contribution that will go towards funding the production costs associated with our podcast. Even $2 a month makes a big difference for us please check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash tilt parenting. Thank you for considering and thanks for being a part of our community. And now let's get on with the show. Hey everyone, Debbie Reber here with the Tilt Parenting Podcast, and I'm happy to welcome to the show Catherine Hayden, a writer, speaker, mentor, and consultant who also happens to be the founder of Sparkativity, a consulting practice that helps kids, families, and teams find freedom, purpose, and productivity through awareness and application of creative strengths. Welcome to the show, Catherine. Thanks, Debbie. Thanks so much for having me on. Well, there's so much there just in that description of Sparkativity that I want to get into, and I know we have a lot to talk about. But before we do that, can you just give us a little bit of information about your personal story, like who you are and specifically how you got into doing this work of blending creativity with kids and families? Sure, absolutely. Well, I started out teaching from this standpoint, I actually started out in banking, but I did not like it. So I was looking for my path and I, I merged into teaching. I, I have a degree in Spanish and I ended up developing Spanish curriculum and teaching Spanish at a private school in California. And then I moved into teaching second grade. And after that, I've just done a lot of teaching in various capacities. But as I've taught over the years, I found that I gravitated to kids for whom school was not a direct fit. So it was either kids that needed more depth or they needed it taught in a different way. And when I taught second grade, I always taught differently, which I would now call in a creative learning way that would really engage the whole spectrum of learners in my class from kids who needed some more help to those who were identified as gifted. But Then over time, I started to notice that creativity was the common thread that made school difficult for most kids. Hmm. 
And the more highly creative they are, the more they live in these expression of creative strengths, the harder it is to fit in a traditional settings. But the issue was that these kids were most often told that something was wrong with them. Yet I'd seen, I had some incredible examples of kids I had taught in second grade, and they went on to matriculate into some other schools in the area, and they started having issues. And the school was saying, well, this child has a certain XYZ issue. That was never an issue at this school, which was more hands-on, more early childhood best practices. So I really got involved with these kids and with realizing they needed a different way to approach learning because it was a deeper way, a more interesting way. And there was nothing wrong with the kids. They just needed creative learning. So this is what I continue to do. And I'm kind of, I guess, called a strengths finder in a way. Mm. So I'll take any child and look through the lens of creativity and creative strengths and identify these strengths, help them identify their interests so they know that they are not broken, but they have these incredible superpowers. And then they can learn how to leverage these to be the best that they can be. Wow, that is such a great story. And I have so many questions already that are probably not even in my script. So one question, I'm just curious, how did you even know how to do that? You said that when you were teaching second grade, you did it in a very, the way that you approached teaching was in a very creative way. Was that just kind of your instinct to, to, to do that? Or how did you know to approach the way you were teaching that way? That is a very perceptive question. And it really gets to the core of why I do this. So When I myself was a student in elementary school, I did not like school. I told my parents I was going to drop out. And my mom tried to, you know, work for me and get some curriculum that would be more engaging. And it just didn't happen. And the summer after my third grade year or third or fourth grade year, I had the opportunity to attend a summer program. And it was an enrichment summer program. It was taught according to creative learning principles. It was hands-on. It was, you know, you're coming up with your ideas, you're experimenting, exploring. I did this for math, science, and writing, creative writing. And it was absolutely life-changing for me because here I was, I hated school. I loved to learn, but I hated school. And then I went to this program and for one summer, you know, it was maybe two weeks long it sustained me for basically the rest of school when it wasn't <laughs> as engaging. Wow. So I always have kept in touch with the founder of the program, who's actually very well known in the field of gifted education, Joan Franklin Smutney. She's out of Chicago and she runs the Center for Gifted, which is also now called the Midwest Torrent Center for Creativity. And she's just pioneered this. She worked with Paul Torrance. Um, she's been pioneering these classes for since the 70s, I think. So, and she's still running this program and helping thousands and thousands of kids every year to really engage in learning and get excited about learning. That's great. So another kind of follow-up question based on what you said about these kids being identified as something being wrong with them, that reminded me of the Sir Ken Robinson TED Talk, you know, which was the most viewed ever, his How Schools Kill Creativity talk, where Mm -hmm. he talks about that story of a girl who was really disruptive and a problem in class. And when the mother took her to go see someone to talk about it, 
they kind of left her in a room without the adults there and put on some music and they watched her. I think, I don't remember if it was through a one way uh, mm-hmm. mirror or, but they, she was, got up and started dancing and they're like, there's nothing wrong with your daughter. She's a dancer. And, you know, that's such a powerful story, but, you know, and she was identified as a problem child in school. So from what you said, it seems like that is not so unusual that it's pretty common that kids who may be very creative in all kinds of different ways, it comes across as being some sort of a of a deficit or being labeled as some sort of disorder. Absolutely. And that story was the story of Jillian Lynn, who is a choreographer who choreographed Cats in the Phantom of the Opera. Hmm. And I love that story. And after I had started my Ignite Creative Learning Studio, which was modeled after Jones Money's enrichment programs, after I had started it, I had come across The Element by Ken Robinson. And I just read the book thinking, oh my gosh, this is everything that I think. This is exactly what I'm talking about, what, I, what I'm trying to do. And the thing is, as he points out, I mean, she, I don't know when that was, probably the mid-1900s, maybe it was the 1930s when she had that experience. Mm-hmm. But this issue of creative thinkers, different thinkers not being understood in the traditional educational environment is historic. And it is the case with many of the contributors whose names we know that have contributed something of a unique value to society. There's a great study by the Goetzels. It's G-O-E-R-T-Z-E-L-S. I don't exactly know how to pronounce it, but I love their book called Cradles of Eminence. They studied 400 eminent creators who lived in the 20th century. And they found that, well, how many, what percent of them would you guess would have school, major school issues of the most eminent people of the 20th century? I don't know, 50% popped into my head. Very close, 60%. Wow, wow. So it's a huge problem. And Mm. even as much as we know about creativity, about learning and best practices and what we know, even with what we know, there's still this major problem. I think it's actually getting worse. Hmm. On your website, you have great little bites about Claude Monet, Albert Einstein, Winston Churchill, and Thomas Edison. On your homepage, you wrote that Monet was turbulent and irreverent in school, especially in drawing class, which is funny in some ways, and that Churchill was considered a school failure. So what I find interesting about that and what you just said about that 60% statistic is that, you know, the number that we are all thinking about now or that's being talked about is that about 20% of kids are differently wired in some way, whether they have learning and attention issues or some other sort of sensory issues or giftedness things going on. So if 20% of kids are these differently wired kids, yet 60% of these kind of global change makers were described in this way. It seems like there is a really strong correlation between being someone who may have a different neurological makeup and creativity. Would you say that's true? I would agree. And I believe that is true with all my experience working with kids, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids. I think only once seen that not to be the clear case. Hmm. Wow. So 
my feeling is that anytime we see a kid that's say not doing well in school, our knee jerk, based on all the research, our knee jerk reaction as a society should be, oh my gosh, this kid must have an incredible creative strength. I love that reframe. That is so brilliant. I mean, that's so much of what we're trying to do at Tilt is help people perceive difference in a positive light and embrace the gifts and help the world recognize that this is something to celebrate and and see how that can actually change the world. So what a great reframe that is. Well, I, I believe it because I see that the minute you can frame and show a true supported paradigm to people that shows that they have strengths, it changes their self-concept and their life trajectory. And right now I'm working on a project where I'm interviewing a lot of people that didn't love school, but I'm also trying to prove that if you didn't thrive in school, you're probably exceptionally intelligent. And the way I find the people is I think of the most creative thinkers that I've come across or that I can contact. And then I ask them Mm -hmm. (laughs) without fail, they've had some sort of school issue. So, you know, it works in the reverse as well for adults. And, and some, some people, even if they're incredibly successful adults, they've been, you know, they're, they're known for their creativity. They still often have this doubt about their intelligence in the back of their mind Mm -hmm. because there was a disconnect with school. Mm -hmm. And I want to change that because there's so much strength in creative thinking and thinking differently. And that's who we need. We need these people in our world, people who think differently, um, because people who think differently can make new connections and solve problems. And what I think we've done as a society is we've said, you're different, you're wrong. And really different is right, because different can help us move forward. I'm going to have to play this podcast for my son. He will be like right on. (laughs) He's a big fan of Elon Musk. He just read his autobiography. And that is someone who thinks very different and wasn't, wasn't really treated so well in school or, uh, you know, just struggled in the same way so many kids, so many kids do. So it's a powerful message for our kids to hear. He did. And I've been reading about Elon Musk as well. He's another one of those great examples. And it's interesting because I think his family had a very loose discipline. Did your son say anything about that? No, but I'll ask him. Yeah, I think he had, I'm just looking at my notes about reading about him, but he was a very curious toddler. He quickly learned. He daydreamed a lot. Other kids thought he was very weird, but he would read like on the weekend, like 10 hours a day Mm -hmm. and then started designing computer games and things like that. He wasn't a great student in elementary school, but I think there was something where he'd get a high grade in things like physics and computers, and he felt there had to be a reason for a game. So he would only get an A if there was a point in getting an A. (laughs) And his story was that he failed some things in fourth and fifth grade, but somebody told him that if he didn't pass, he'd be held back. And that motivated him. Mm. And he actually started doing better because he did not want to have to repeat right. the, that material that he didn't find that interesting. In the oh first my God, place. that would have been his worst nightmare. Exactly. So I'd love to know then why creativity is so important in general and something that 
we want to nurture in our kids. I mean, you just mentioned that looking at problems differently is important, but you know, what is our, the big why here? Okay. So the big thing is, and this is why looking through the lens of creativity is really, it's fail safe and it doesn't exclude anyone because creativity is true. This is the title of my book, but for everybody, everybody is creative. Mm. That's been empirically proven to be human is to be creative because, and then with every conversation on creativity, you have to define it because there are so many myths and misconceptions, but creativity is fundamentally in its simplest definition, a problem solving process, a thinking process, wherein you use two types of thinking. So you use divergent thinking, which is ideation, coming up with ideas. We associate it with brainstorming. So you you come up with ideas with divergent thinking, and then using convergent thinking, which is analytical thinking, you choose those ideas and figure out what's best under the circumstance in order to come up with a novel or meaningful result. So all it is is a thinking process that yields new ideas, basically. And creative strengths are human qualities that support creative thinking. So everybody, everybody has a unique constellation of creative strengths. And they're all different. There are so many of them. No one has the same constellation. So everybody has these. And no matter if the person feels like they're creative or not, they have them. And you can identify them on the basis of being human, basically. You don't have to filter this information through labels of any sort, whether positive or negative. So you can sort of find a person's creative constellation and creative strengths based on who they are. And there's no downside to it. Hmm. And it gives them confidence. It gives them tools. Then there's a whole huge field of best practices and, and really a science that we know how to support creativity and creative thinking. So there are certain principles that then you can use to support these. And they're actually very intuitive. A lot of these principles are intertwined with some best practices in the field of gifted education as well. So there are many things that we can do once we know a person's creative strengths, really once they know their creative strengths, because then they are aware of creativity and who they are from that standpoint. This year, I've been working on becoming more attuned to my body. And so I'm starting to really recognize how periodic spikes in anxiety or disruptions to my routines can seriously throw my whole system off. And as I've been traveling a ton this past month, which is both disruptive and somewhat stressful, I'm especially glad that I have the extra support of Symbiotic Plus, a three-in-one supplement from Ritual with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Symbiotic Plus provides fuel to the cells that make up the gut lining to support a healthy gut barrier. And it comes in this very cool minty delayed release capsule, which was specifically designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract for delivery to the colon. The bonus is that the capsules don't need to be refrigerated, so I can easily bring them with me in my carry-on. On a personal level, I love that Ritual is committed to sustainability. They're a female-founded B Corp, meaning they are holding themselves accountable long-term to not only think about their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for limited time at ritual.com slash tilt. 
Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash tilt for 25% off. Hey there, it's Debbie. I love making this show and sharing conversations about how to support our awesome neurodivergent kids. I've seen how even one little insight from an interview can spark a big shift in daily life. But I know that raising complex kids can be messy and lonely. And just when we think we figured it out, something comes up that boots us right back to feeling overwhelmed and stuck. That's why I've poured everything into creating a way for parents like us navigating complex parenting journeys to join together and chart a path that feels positive, hopeful, and doable. It's the brand new Differently Wired Club experience. In the club, you'll get personal support from me and other seasoned parent coaches, six live calls every month where you can connect and get your personal questions answered, the opportunity to learn directly from authors and experts like I have on this show, monthly themes for getting specific and tactical, an exclusive private podcast feed, and the best, most generous community of parents. Seriously, these folks show up for themselves and each other, and that right there is really everything. Because it's a daily reminder that we're not alone. Our kids aren't broken, and we have totally got this. The recently rebooted Differently Wired Club is on a brand new platform with its very own iOS and Android app. It is such a great space. However you learn, whatever your style, no matter the ages, genders, and neurodivergent profile of your children, the Differently Wired Club can help you cultivate the positive shifts you're hoping for. Join us today by going to tiltparenting.com slash club. That's tiltparenting.com slash club. I hope to see you on the inside. You mentioned earlier, just in passing, Strengths Finders. The book Strengths Finders 2.0 is a book that I love and have gone through that assessment. And I think there's a version of it for kids or maybe teenagers as well. But is I don't know, is that a book that you use? You know, when I said that, I didn't really connect it with the book. I know of the book. Okay. I haven't right. really used it. But there are lots of tools. And I think that one is not exactly in the science of creativity. So the nothing wrong with it. It's, I think, a good book, and it's been very useful to people. But my background comes from the science of creativity and the research in that field, and also education. So I like to use the framework of the creative strengths that were developed by a researcher named Gary Davis. He's a longtime researcher in the field. And basically what he did was he went through all the literature on, I think, decades of literature on creative people, creative thinkers, creativity. And he found all the words that were used to describe creative thinkers. And he boiled hundreds and hundreds of adjectives down into 16 creative strengths. So that's the one that I just find is simple to use Mm -hmm. when I share with people. But I also use other methods kind of depending on the, the person. Well, what I love about whether you're using that or the Strengths Finders 2.0 book or any of these tools that, you know, as you said, it's about the person learning more about who they are and yes. recognizing what their strengths are and really promoting a strengths-based approach to everything, right? You know, and I think so much of our education or kind of a traditional education system is so focused on deficit, you know, Mm -hmm. oh, you're not good at that. So let's do more of that instead of, well, you're really great at these things. Let's figure out how to teach you in a way that supports those strengths and and uses them. 
Exactly. And because we live in kind of a deficit negative-based paradigm, some parents might find it easier to get to the creative strengths through the negative because the negative is what's normally pointed out. And Gary Davis, at the same time, talked about certain negative traits. He called it common negative traits of some creative persons sometimes. <laughs> so it's <laughs> a great label. So he found seven of these that include like being hyperactive, absent-minded, childish, argumentative, impulsive, egotistical, and neurotic. And he said those were kind of the flip side of some creative strengths, or I guess, I don't know if he said that, I say that. And what I see with kids is that if they're not understood for who they are, and often that means their own creativity isn't understood by others, and if they don't have a pathway for that, sometimes these creative strengths will manifest as these sort of, you know, more negative seeming characteristics. But once you can say even, you know, you're daydreaming a lot, some people might think that means you're forgetful, but do you know that that's actually a huge creative strength, daydreaming, because it brings space for the imagination and to ponder. And then all of a sudden you turn that around and once person is understood, that's what people, isn't that what people want just Mm -hmm. to be understood for who they are? Once you understand them, who they are and, and give them opportunities to show that a lot of these more difficult traits get less and less and less as the others are supported, the strengths are supported. Yeah. And that notion of daydreaming reminds me of Susan Cain's work. Are you familiar with Susan Cain? Yes. For listeners, she's the uh, the author of a book called Quiet. She also gave a very well-received TED talk several years ago, which is about the power of introversion. I was on her website just the other day, and she wrote, creativity is magic. It's the ability to create something out of nothing to make connections that others don't see. But she also writes that though creativity is magical, a lot of times creative people aren't seen or valued as leaders, which I thought was really interesting. It's something, you know, just like daydreaming seems like it's a negative thing or being kind of within or introverted, which is another way of just taking time to kind of brainstorm and dream and scheme and imagine isn't necessarily valued. I think that we need to expand what we value and what we consider strengths in society in order to honor the diversity of human intelligence and in order to have what we need as a society to move forward. I I love to think about human intelligence as I think about the prairie as a metaphor for human intelligence. I love to study prairie ecosystems Mm. and just the vast number of species that work together to create these incredibly strong ecosystems that can stand up to so many violent storms and winds and and weather that species in the prairie are valued for their strengths. And if a particular species has a weakness within the ecosystem, the weakness doesn't matter because another species will make up for it with their strength. It's a great metaphor. I love that. So let me ask you a question then about education and schools. So all these traits that we're talking about, daydreaming or being bored in school or maybe being hyperactive or impulsive, all these traits which are associated with a lot of, you know, my son has ADHD and Asperger's and is gifted. So he's 
a trifecta, and those are all challenges for him. He's also a highly creative person. But if we have our kids in a traditional school setting where these are more behavioral problems or that's how they're treated and, and seen, how do we advocate and encourage schools and teachers to consider and to maybe celebrate the creativity and differences in our kids? Do you have advice on that? Yes, it's a huge question. <laughs> yes, it's kind of what it's all it about, it's right? It's a huge question, and it so much depends on the individual circumstances. I do a fair amount of advocating for kids in schools, and sometimes the teachers are just so open, and they have systems around them, so they have a culture in their school that allows flexibility. And sometimes the teachers are not at all open, and they view it as an affront to do anything and to even suggest that the child need something different. So it really depends on the experience. But I will tell you that the most important thing is to identify the strengths of the child at home and continue to reinforce those and find people that will see those as strengths. There's a wonderful author named Peter Reynolds who wrote The Dot. Do you know his books? Oh, yes. Yep, absolutely. And he, he's written many books, but The Dot is his most famous. And he has a great story. And I think this story illustrates one approach, um, what we want to find for our kids. He was not a particularly good student. He called himself off the path. He was in math class in seventh grade, and he was doodling in his notebook and probably not paying attention, and his teacher called him in after school, and he was worried. He thought, oh, I'm going to get in trouble again for doodling, and his teacher said, Peter, I wonder if you could help me. I have a challenge. And Peter said, well, what is it? He was like, great, I'm not getting in trouble, and the teacher said, a lot of the kids in this class don't understand the topics we are covering right now in math. And I've noticed your drawing ability, and I'm wondering if you'd be willing to make a comic, to draw a comic to explain this particular concept to the rest of the class. Peter was over the moon, and he dedicated the dot to his seventh grade teacher mm -hmm. because this was life-changing for him. So his teacher saw, instead of saying, hey, stop doodling in your notebook and pay attention, his teacher said, I see a strength. How can I leverage it? Of course, he dove into the project. He taught the students with his comic. The kids loved it. Not only did the other students learn the concept, he learned the concept even more. He was totally engaged. Then the teacher went further and said, and animation was just coming on board. And he said, how would you like to animate that and make a short film? Well, he loved that idea. He set about doing that. And he has an animation company right now as an adult. And this teacher was able to see that as a creative strength, um, being able to uh, visualize, to draw. And that teacher said, gave him a way to demonstrate that strength. So I think once identifying these strengths in your child as a parent, communicating them to the child and showing them the paradigm of creative strengths. And you can see that a very fun and quick overview in the book I wrote, Creativity for Everybody. It's designed for a quick dive in, very visual. Kids like it as well. Um, but it has all the research in the back of the book, so it's not cumbersome to read it. But you can give them this paradigm, have them find their constellation of strengths, then over time, find ways that they can exercise these strengths to call upon the strengths the way Peter's teacher did. It can be in school. If you can't get it done in school, 
find opportunities outside of school to do it. Find people who get the child. It could be a grandparent. It could be an older sibling. It could be an older person at a care center. Um, It could be someone in the community that has a particular job that would be willing to serve as a mentor or a hired tutor, whoever it might be. If you can find somebody who gets your child and also A lot of parents who are traditional thinkers have a hard time sort of getting into the minds of their differently wired kids, right? And so that's often hard for kids if their parents don't get them. So if you are a traditionally thinking parent that did well through school and didn't have these experiences, read up on biographies and different things of people who are famous creators and see what you can do. Because the fact is, all of these people that succeeded. Or I should say most of them had a champion in their corner. And a lot of times it was a parent and a lot of times it was a mother. And like Thomas Edison said, basically, I lived because my mother believed in me. So it can be as simple as that, even if you can't find the perfect educational option, which there aren't many out there. But according yeah. from that standpoint, the standpoint of creative strengths puts backing to it. Because it's not just mom saying, oh, you're really good at this, honey. It's actually, you know, proven, researched, and there's a lot to back it up. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask-Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Gosh, I am so inspired by this conversation. It's really fascinating to me. And, you know, that story about Peter Reynolds teacher is, you know, it, it's just a reminder of it really can just be one person really seeing who your child is that can make all the difference. And and also a great reminder, also, as you just mentioned of the role that we can play in our 
kids' lives. And I appreciate you kind of sharing those tips, especially for parents who may struggle with really understanding what's going on with their kids. And that's actually feedback I get a lot. You know, in the TILD community, there's a lot of differently wired parents in our community mm-hmm. raising their differently wired kids. But there are a number who who aren't and they really, their kids are like aliens to them in some way. So I think that's a great idea is to read up on the Elon Musks and the, you know, the kind of the change makers and and understand what's really going on and find ways to to be their champion. That's great. There's another great book that I love. Have you re- read Creating Innovators by Tony Wagner? I have not, no. That's a great one. He's come up with another one recently that I haven't read, but that one I just have enjoyed because I think it's probably great really for parents of any age, but it speaks directly with interviews with young adults. But it talks about how these parents in his case studies to have very successful, innovative kids in young adulthood, but how they raised them. And a lot of times it was really defying the system or allowing some flexibility uh, within the system. So Mm. that's another good one. It's not a quick read necessarily, but it's a good read. Great. Thank you for that. And again, for listeners, we've been talking about a lot of books and resources. I'll include links to all of them in the show notes if you want to check this out. And before we go, um, you mentioned your book, Creativity for Everybody. Would you mind telling us a little bit about that and who it's for and what readers will get from it? Absolutely. So I love this book um, because I co-authored it with a colleague of mine who's a graphic designer and an artist. So we took this huge amount, if I had a visual, I'd show you this pile of academic research volume books on the science of creativity. That's really when I show it to people in talks that I give and things like that, I say, did you like what I just said about creativity? Oh yeah, it was great. Would you like to read more about that? Oh yeah. Well, would you read this book? And I hold up these volumes of academic research and they look at me like, no, (laughs) are you kidding me? So I've got this stack of books that are, you know, maybe a foot high. And then creativity for everybody is very thin. And if you open it, it's very visual and it has so much white space in it. It's more like a coffee table book. So you can open it, grab an idea from each page. It's called a kind of a choose your own adventure. We say there are some things written along the side. So you can read the book sideways. You can read the book visually. You can read just the narrative in the front, you could read the research narrative in the back. So there are a lot of ways to approach it. And we did that because studying the science of creativity, which I have a master's in, you learn so many incredibly transformative principles, ideas. We boiled all this down into its essence so that anybody can just pick it up and gain a lot of this information on an introductory level that can really be transformative to looking at life from the standpoint of creative strengths and creative thinking and not only what are creative strengths, but how very simply, what are the principles on supporting them? So we did that on purpose so that busy parents and even kids could have access to these ideas from the science of creativity. Oh, that's great. Definitely going to check it out. It sounds like something everyone in my family would enjoy. So can you tell us how parents can find you online and learn about more about what you do and just connect with you? Sure, absolutely. I have a website at sparkativity.com, like you mentioned, and it has three eyes in it. So it's 
S-P-A-R-K-I-T-I-V-I-T-Y.com. And there's a contact page there that goes directly to me. And we're also on Facebook under Sparkativity and Twitter at Sparkativity. So they're welcome to contact me in any way. I have a blog that I write on my website and also at the creativity posts. A lot of times I cross post them, but it's designed for parents um, and to help parents. And it's usually I'm differently wired kids. I, I've never actually used that term, which I just love the term, how you've used it. And that's really what I'm getting at with a lot of them. And you can get a lot of support, I think, for helping support creative thinking by reading those articles. And of course, I work with a lot of families in various capacities. So really what they need, sometimes parents just need, you know, an hour conversation to kind of get everything clear. And sometimes I work with kids to mentor them. I do that a lot. Um, And sometimes I just coach parents in terms of advocating for their kids in school behind the scenes. Sometimes I do it in the classroom, but it seems more and more these days coaching parents to to go in. I'm kind of on the back end. I think that's more effective lately. Wow. Such great work that you're doing and so important, especially for, for differently wired kids and the parents raising them. This conversation for me personally has just been so interesting and I think totally in alignment with what we believe that our kids, you know, they see and experience the world differently, but because of that, they can have a huge impact on the world. So I I really enjoyed exploring these different aspects of creativity with you. And I just want to say thank you again for being a guest today. Well, thank you, Debbie. And thank you for what you're doing. I, I saw your an original early notice, I think, and I thought this is such a wonderful resource and opportunity to have a community because that's what people need. They need others that are sharing an experience for support because it's hard to go against the current. And Mm -hmm. it seems to me you're providing that camaraderie and tribe for people. Yeah. Thank you so much. That's our hope. You've been listening to the Tilt Parenting Podcast. For the show notes for this episode, including links to Catherine's Sparkativity website, her book, and the rest of the resources we discussed on today's show, visit the show notes page at tiltparenting.com slash session 47. If you like what you heard on today's episode and you haven't already done so, please consider subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. Or if you have a few extra minutes, leave us a review. That really helps get our podcast more visibility. And lastly, if you're not already signed up for our newsletter, I'd love for you to join our Tilt Parenting online community. I send out short weekly updates with links to new content on the Tilt website, articles, and resources just for you. Thanks again for listening. For more information on Tilt Parenting, visit www.tiltparenting.com. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact invented. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was... 
steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking It.